الجزيرة بودكاست A fatal police shooting of a teenager has triggered widespread protests in France and once again the use of excessive force by police especially in ethnically diverse areas is under the spotlight so how will the French government tackle this issue and what can be done to address the needs of underserved communities I'm Fully Batibo and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect analyze and help define major global stories Let's bring in our guests for today's inside story in Paris Yasser Louati head of the committee for justice and liberties a transnational human rights organization in London Rainbow Murray professor of politics at Queen Mary University of London and also in Paris Jacques de Maillard director of the Center for Sociological Research on Law and Penal Institutions a warm welcome to you all thank you so much for joining us on inside story Yasser Louati let me start with you in Paris we're seeing the protests over the killing of Nael spread beyond the suburb of Nanterre. Why is there so much anger in France today? Well, I think the question is, the, the answer is already in the question, how is it that an event in Paris has sparked an outburst of anger and rage throughout France? We have to, to, to put that in perspective and look at the past 20 years since the 2005 uh, uprising that took place after the death of Ziad and Buna in the northern suburbs of Paris. Now, we have to ask ourselves, why are these people expressing themselves in such a manner? Well, the answer is also the fact that all other ways of expressing yourself when mm. you are Black, Arab, and from the banlieue have all been shut down. And what was even more sparked an outrage is the video that we have all seen where the police officer is pointing his, his gun at this driver and shooting him point blank in the heart. Now, the, the, the video is so horrendous that even the minister of interior condemned, you know, he criticized the use of, uh, of you know, um, the use of, of a lethal weapon mm. by the policeman, but also Emmanuel Macron. But this cannot be separated, or the, 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 the anger we see right now cannot be separated from the general anger for, about the situation for these people in the banlieue, the lack okay. of opportunities, access yeah. to education, work, etc. Okay, we'll get into the, the issues uh, a bit more deeper in just a minute. Yasser, I wanted to ask you, you talked about the video, and what's more startling in this incident is that the police appear to have lied about the circumstances of the killing. And last year, we know that about 13 people were reportedly killed by officers under similar circumstances. But unlike in this situation, in most of the cases, there was no video. So is excessive use by police worse than what we actually know? Definitely. Uh, if we are to quote uh, Sébastien Rocher from the National, Re uh, Scientific Re uh, uh, National Center for Scientific Research in France, the French police is the deadliest police on continental Europe. You add to it that aside from Nahel, who was killed a couple of days ago in Nanterre, as we saw it in the video, another black man was killed. He was 19 years old, driving his car, going to work, and he was shot down by the police. But unfortunately, there was no video. Mm. And what, the, what this video also highlights, the fact that before we... What was happening, the government was quick to react to first defend the policemen and the media were already spreading the talking points of the police. So this is why, again, we cannot trust the official versions when they first come from the government. 
Okay, Jacques de Maillard, let me bring you into the conversation. You've researched police issues in France extensively. Just looking at the specific incident first, the police officer responsible for the shooting has been charged with um, voluntary manslaughter. What do you think will happen to him based on past experiences? Is he likely to be convicted? Well, it's very difficult to say. Uh, but the, the rapidity of the reaction of the prosecutor and of the Police actors is unusual. It was mentioned by the, the earlier uh, speaker in that uh, we feel that uh, there is a kind of immediate reaction by uh, judicial actors on the one hand and political actors uh, on the other because they, they fear a reproduction of the riots of 2005. Mm -hmm. So the, the level of uh, reaction was quite high uh, at this level. But I would add that as it was said, uh, it is based on the one hand as very deteriorated uh, relation between the youth uh, from uh, ethnic minorities in poor neighborhoods and the police on the one hand. And second question is the use of deadly force in uh, traffic stops uh, right. on the other hand, which is a kind of enduring question in France. Right. You talk about deteriorating relations between the youth in these disaffected communities and the police. Just looking at the way the situation is evolving in the last few days in France, do you think, uh, Jacques, we're looking at a repeat of 2005 and the incidents of Clichy-sous-Bois then? Well, I'm going to disappoint you in that <laughs> I'm not able to answer this question, this particular question. But uh, most um, observers were surprised by the importance, uh, the intensity, uh, and the fact that even in Clermont-Ferrand, in the center of France, you, you may have had some neighborhoods uh, who did protest, uh, some young people uh, who did protest, uh, so a kind of uh, solidarity. So there was mm -hmm. a kind of reservoir of anger Mm -hmm. among these young people, uh, that the handling of the situation is different from the police on the one hand and from police, political actors on the other hand. So, oh. you know, you, you never know if history is going to repeat itself. OK, I'll ask Yasser the same question in a bit, Yasser, but I want to bring in uh, Rainbow Murray uh, to the conversation first. Rainbow, a difficult situation for the French government and French President Emmanuel Macron to handle, no, no doubt. He was quick to react can the government contain this crisis, you think? They're going to have to find a way to do it. It is very difficult. And one of the reasons why it's so difficult is because the response of other political parties on whom Macron is depending for alliance in his parliament is so completely opposed. One crucial thing to remember is that Macron does not have a parliamentary majority. So he needs to work with other parties. But the parties of the left have sided unequivocally with uh, the teenager who was shot. Mm -hmm. The parties of the right have sided unequivocally with the police. So that leaves Macron caught between a rock and a hard place. And at the same time, he needs to find a way to dispel this um, unhappiness, to help the people who feel aggrieved by this shooting to find resolution without resorting to street protests, not least because those street protests 
needs to be contained by the same police that people are protesting against. And so he can't afford to alienate the police if he's also asking them to try and stay on top of any writing situations. OK, we're going to talk about some of the laws that govern the police in just a moment. But Yasser, I wanted to ask you about the current situation and the same question that I put to Jacques. Are we looking, in your view, at a similar a repeat of history and, and the events of 2005 in Clichy-Soubois? Well, we cannot, you know, if I could predict the, predict the future, I would be in a far better place, in a more comfortable mm. one. But the uh, situation right now is very similar. The only issue, the only difference being that we already have the precedent of 2005. And the people who took place in the 2005 uprisings are still in the place today. So we have to really watch the events with a bit of caution, even though, to be honest, um, the the uh, it was so quick to spread throughout the national territory. I didn't expect that. I think mm. it would be, you know, for you know Paris and and, and the surrounding suburbs, but not to go uh, all the way to the uh, north to Lille, uh, Clermont-Ferrand, as mentioned yeah. earlier, and even Toulouse. Exactly. Uh, now, as was said earlier, uh, the response from Emmanuel Macron will be dictated by the the hard right and the far right. And in, in, we already saw Emmanuel Macron uh, saying any attack against the police is an attack against the republic, just to make it uh, simple. He did not say any attack against civilians or uh, citizens is an attack against the republic. And this, again, shows that after his initial reaction of condemning or criticizing the uh, use of deadly force, he's already veering towards shielding the police, the police. But one, one piece of information that is quite important in the case of Emmanuel Macron, we have to remember in 2020, his own Minister of Interior had to be sacked under pressure, mm -hmm. uh, after pressure coming from the majority unions who are close to the far right, Alliance Police, for example. And Christophe Castanea, who had protected the police while they were breaking the skulls and backs of the Yellow Vest movement, only said there could potentially be an issue of racism within the police. And mm. that sealed his fate to show okay. you how powerful these unions are. So we have to see how Macron reacts on the one hand to keep his, uh, uh, his authority because, as, again, he doesn't have a majority in parliament, right. but also how much repression will be applied, which will further you know, push the situation towards more violence. For our international audience, Yasser and the others, let's take a closer look at the French laws that some rights groups have criticized for giving police more powers to use excessive force. A 2017 measure allowed for police to use their firearms in five scenarios. This includes against drivers who ignore an order to stop and if they pose a risk to life or safety. In 2020, the government dropped a security bill that would have prevented people from filming the police. The draft bill had prompted protests across the country. In 2021, the French parliament passed a security bill that would extend police powers. This includes using drones to monitor citizens and tougher sentences for assaulting officers. Rainbow, in London, critics have said the practices and attitudes of the French police is encouraged from the top. Is that the case? What is the message from the top? Not just under Emmanuel Macron, but under previous governments. The message from the top has generally been one to support the police and to reinforce their powers. And it has to be borne in mind that the police have faced some significant challenges, especially in the previous decade where France was subjected to a series of terrorist attacks. And there was a fear that the police didn't have strong enough 
powers to contain that. And so some of those powers were reinforced and the police also felt vulnerable. And then they've been asked to deal with some quite difficult mm. situations over the past few years, including the yellow vest protests, including um, policing the um, COVID pandemic and the, and the lockdowns that came with that. And so the police are continuously calling for protection. Their unions want um, the government to stand by them. But at the same time, there's a growing sense that the police um, have problems with racism, with mm -hmm. uh, excessive police force and brutality, which has caused a significant backlash against the police. And so the police are also looking to the government to stand by them against that backlash. But that's becoming increasingly politically sensitive. OK, Jacques. Police unions have said that such incidents, like the one we've seen in Nanterre, are one-offs, isolated incidents. Is the case of this police officer just one bad apple, or is there a real problem of impunity within France's police force? It's always a very delicate question because uh, we need to be nuanced. That you cannot say that what happened uh, uh, day before is something uh, systemic or structural within the French police. On, on the other hand, you, you couldn't say that it's a kind of isolated incident. Uh, it is part of a much more uh, general ethos uh, within the mm. French police. Uh, in, what is it? Is it a which, lack of training? Uh, it, it, it has to do with the lack of uh, vocational training and initial training. It has to do with the professional culture of the police, which is mainly based on the use of force. I, I don't say that the use of force and violence is uh, commonplace in the French police. But the reflexivity of the French police officers, uh, the kind of policies in terms of training, in terms of management, do not take enough into account the, uh, the, the relational dimension, uh, mm. daily work of police officers interacting with the public, being able to de-escalate, being able to um, uh, talk with the people in a peaceful manner. So this is the first point. Second one has to do with the control of police officers. The French police officers, they say they are the, the, the most controlled uh, public servant in the French administration. But, uh, and to some extent, this is true. But on the other hand, when you are a police officer, you have a lot of autonomy uh, when accomplishing your daily tasks. And this autonomy does require some control. Mm -hmm. And in France, I would say that there is a kind of internal control by the National Inspectorate of the Gendarmerie and of the National Police. That there is a lack of external control by uh, such agencies as the, the rights defender, 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 defender des droits, pardon, mm -hmm. uh, in French, uh, that should play a stronger role in the way in the way their daily behaviors are controlled by uh, okay. external independent agencies. Okay, Yasser, your thoughts to what uh, Jacques just said. He said this is not necessarily systemic. Do you agree with that? Uh, well, if you, were, if you were to quote uh, some uh, figures, we have to remember that in uh, uh, since 2020, the uh, uh, number of people killed by the police has uh, more than uh, doubled. Yes, the police is also, you know, supervised, but supervised by former police officers. The IGPN is composed mostly of former cops now supervising 
cops right now in operation. But I'm going to quote uh, the Senate back in 2014. A woman called Catherine Dumas raised a question to the Minister of Interior about the mental and physical fitness of the police in 2020. We went from recruiting one out of 50 candidates Mm -hmm. 2012. In 2020, it became one out of five. The score to be accepted... So it's a problem no of recruitment uh, also, you say? Yes, the, prob the, the problem comes with, lies with recruitment. There is no, not enough, you know, how can I say, um, uh, uh, can I, disqualification of unfit individuals. We went from taking one out of 50 to one out of five. Mm -hmm. So, and on top of it, the score was lowered. Eight out of 20 is good enough to be accepted. And to make things even worse, the training has been reduced. It went from 12 months to eight months. To quote another police instructor, he himself complained about individuals who are intellectually, quote-unquote, and physically unfit to join the police. But once they pass the, the admission exam, we cannot get rid of them. You mm. add to it the layer of lack of accountability and the permeating racism of the police. A study came about a few years ago showing that 52% of the law enforcement body voted in favor of Emmanuel Macron. And I'm going to be even more provocative. The national police, as we know it today, the centralized police, was born in 1941 under the Vichy regime. And we shouldn't forget the, right. the, the, the racist history of the police with the Jews and the Arabs. So it's not about... Uh, random events repeating themselves. Mm. It's about, it's, it's not even about rotten apples. It's about a rotten tree that needs to be reformed. Okay, Rainbow, your thoughts about this. These unjustified shootings in France and uh, the banlieues, these working class neighborhoods certainly um, are a symptom, as Yasser has said, and you've alluded to yourself, of a deeper uh, and, and wider problems in France of discrimination, racism as well. What's happened to the idea of liberté, égalité, fraternité? Has it failed? It's always been a bit of a myth. Um, the, uh, I think uh, that liberté, égalité, fraternité, um, it, it, it's kind of Orwellian. Um, that, you know, all, all French people are equal, but, but some are more equal than others. Um, and so France has a long history of racial discrimination and disadvantage, um, some of which it's tried to sweep under the carpet by not measuring it. So it doesn't collect official data on race, for example. But it's a well-known fact that people from ethnic minority backgrounds find it harder to find employment, that they uh, there is occupational segregation, that they are mm -hmm. much greater victims of um, the police, that they are often sort of relegated to certain neighbourhoods. And so whilst France struggles to acknowledge its difficulties with race. They are very present. Um, and to refer to what our previous speakers were saying, I mean, this isn't a one-off incident. Oh. Um, I, I could reel off a, a series of, of names of people who have been killed at the, during um, uh, police custody or uh, whilst being arrested by the police. Um, to give just one example, which was very high profile in 2016, um, Adama Traoré, um, who died whilst in police custody, a young black mm -hmm. man. 
Yeah. Um, that also caused widespread protests around the country, mm. not just in the neighborhood where it happened. But again, we saw protests right. in Paris, we saw protests in Toulouse. Okay. Um, and it just feels like history repeating itself. Um, okay. so, and so, sorry on. to interrupt you. I just wanted, because we have uh, just a few minutes left on the show, I just want to talk about now the solutions. What can be done to address all these issues we've raised in the conversation? Jacques, uh, let me come to you first. When it comes to police brutality, how does the government deal with it? Because the UN Human Rights Council has criticised France for increased police violence. Uh, the European Court of Human Rights has also condemned France on five separate occasions for alleged abuses committed by the police. What needs to be done, in your view, to address this issue? What needs to change? Well, it's a difficult question because you have different levels, levels uh, that you should use uh, simu simultaneously. And that mm -hmm. There is an issue of control external control, uh, as it was said earlier. It should be reinforced. But you cannot reform the police against police officers. And this is a strong issue. You have to win the spirits and the, the hearts of police officers. So you have to train police officers um, uh, in initial training and uh, vocational training to de-escalate, uh, which is a, uh, the use of deadly force is something technical, but it's also something relational. Is that how you use your gun in which situations? And uh, this question is a question of uh, how you are help, helped, assisted, uh, trained uh, as a police officer. An issue of recruitment too. How you choose the good elements? How the the, the relational competence here? Um, valued within the French police institution. There was also a question, and I think it's crucial, a question of uh, openness to the uh, to civil society, mm -hmm. that um, a good police is a police which is within the French society, who is able to interact with uh, French citizens and, well, uh, inhabitants of France, not right. only citizens, citizens okay. and non-citizens. So uh, there is a real issue of how the, the police is able to listen to society uh, with all its complexities, inequalities, and this should be a, a, a very strong endeavor of the French police institution. Okay. Yasser, your thoughts. How should the French government address this issue and how also does it address the concerns of these disaffected communities in the banlieues? Well, we can have uh, two coins uh, for uh, two faces of the same coin for, the, for to answer this. First, we have to redefine the role of the police. Is it there to protect the regime or the power in place or to protect and serve the population? Second, we have to raise the bar and not lower it in terms of recruiting individuals who apply to become uh, uh, police uh, servicemen and women. And of course, the, as said before me, a, a better control of the police, the IGPN, which supervises the police, should be open to sociologists, community organizers, lawyers, and people who can have a, a dissenting voice and, to ex and who can expose what the, what the police is doing uh, on the field. And of course, on top of it, uh, we need to have a more independent judicial system where the prosecutor is no longer nominated by the executive branch of power, but from within the justice system. So when the police is dragged before the court of law, families stand a chance of holding the police accountable. Okay. And last but not least, 
Gaza. We need to stop with the idea that the police is there to kill, break bones, and then uh, terrorize people in the communities. It's not a reason, excuse me, it's not, an, it's not a coincidence that Ziad and Buna, who died in 2005, fled from the police right. despite having done no wrong. Okay. Rainbow, let me come to you now. So what needs to happen for France to restore its image of a torchbearer of liberty, equality and human rights issues? We need courage and leadership um, from the very heart of government. Um, and we also need stability. But one of the great challenges that France faces is the growing strength over the past 20 years of the far right, um, who have stoked um, racial uh, racial tensions within France. And at the moment, because of its lack of a parliamentary majority, the government is seeking to form an alliance with the parties of the right, who in turn are trying to win back their electorate from the far right. So politically, it's very sensitive. The government needs to have the courage to overcome this desire to win back voters from the far right and instead take a moral stand and say enough is enough and we need to do better. Thank you very much to all three of you for a great discussion. Yasser Luati, Jacques de Maillard, Rainbow Murray. Thank you very much for joining us on Inside Story. This episode was produced by Priyanka Gupta, Laura Khan, Abla Kla, and Jimmy Getahun. Studio sound was by Renjit Kurian. The program was edited by Anil Anandan, Lynn Nguyen, and Joe DeFries. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Friday for our next episode. This week on The Take, the theories behind why orcas are ramming into boats off the coast of Portugal and why it's taken the internet by storm. That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.